Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Hey everybody. You know, our uh, subject this week is going to be... I, it's one of those things that... It, it's not real relevant, but I think it's a discussion we should probably have. Um, maybe in order to not make some mistakes again, maybe just to, I, I don't know why. I think this is an important discussion. I can't really articulate why. It's just something people ought to keep in mind. And it's the, 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 the kind of evolution that took place in the, both the traditional Catholic movement and in the, the movement of Catholics who were maybe you would call them conservative Catholics, slowly moving into that traditional slot, you know? You could call them first wave post-Vatican II red pillars or something. Yeah, they. it's just a group of people who just kind of looked up and started looking around and thinking, you know... This isn't what the church is supposed to be. Yeah, we got lied to, you know? And I think... Um, I don't know. I, I guess if we were going to go all the way back to the 60s and kind of set the table for this, you had people who had grown up Catholic and they had a pretty solid foundation. And then the church told them, hey, you don't got to do all this stuff. So uh, a lot of them listened to that and they're like, okay. Um, and maybe a lot of those people ended up fine because they already had the foundation. So right. they got to right. be 70, 80 years old and they're, they're watching all this craziness and they're like, I don't know what this is. I don't understand why this happened. Um, yeah, this isn't, well, you know, that, I, but and, their and, kids and a, are what caused the problem, I think. Yeah, probably. And probably without them realizing that generation, the first one that you talked about, um, they probably didn't <laughs> even realize Maybe that there was a problem. I mean, the, the, right. many of them before they even died. I, you know, it, the way you say that, um, hey, you don't got to do this stuff anymore. And they just believed it. I remember specifically, um, our dad pointing out, you know, I, I don't know what the context was, whether it was just making conversation about, you know, Catholic life and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But he was pointing out that on Fridays, even though, we're only specifically required to um, abstain from meat on Lenten Fridays that on Fridays throughout the year, it's still required. It's part of the canon law that we treat them as penitential days and make some kind of sacrifice with abstinence being, um, I think, preferred. I, I don't know if it, it it's like prefers abstinence. It like says abstain or make, you know, another, but, other sacrifice or what, but the canon law clearly designates all Fridays through the year with certain exceptions as penitential days. Yeah. And I remember our, um, this was at grandma Engels that, you know, he was bringing this up and, um, one of our aunts, his aunts, you know, so that generation older, um, seemed a little bit, uh, annoyed that he was even saying that. And I said, no, I think that's not it. They just did away with the 
requirement, and that's the end of it. And they were kind of, you know, short like that. So she so, was like, like she was fooled. Yeah. And didn't want to admit it or something. I don't know. I think um, a lot of a person's um, formation happens in the early years. And if you have a good formation, even if you fall into bad habits, you can probably keep some kind of semblance of decency and morality. You know, you're not going to turn into a a crazy, uh, I don't know, you know, porn addict or drug addict or whatever. But if you don't have that good formation like that old generation had and like their kids didn't get, it tends to cause huge problems as the culture just kind of shifts further and further away from what the church was supposed to be doing. So right. by the time we get to the 80s and 90s, you know, I think millions of people kind of just, I, I, I guess there was like an awakening. It was like, and, and I think it was the grace of God just kind of woke people up and they looked around. And they, it was like a red pill moment. They're like, this, this isn't right. This isn't what's supposed to be happening, you know? Yeah, and it happened a lot of places at once. Yeah, and it. I guess we're talking about the people like uh, the original EWTN Mother Angelica crowd, mm-hmm. you know. And and it was it was a little bit lofty. I you know I know she was kind of. I always liked hearing what she had to say, but I personally found her boring. But um, she was. She had a strong stand against some of the crap that was going on with these bishops who were doing all kinds of disgusting things. And mm-hmm. she had, I, at the time, I, I assume, she had no idea how bad it was. And I guess we should be yeah, thankful for that. Uh, yeah, no one did. I, I don't think, I don't think she could have even acted if she did know. I don't think. Oh, I don't know how someone like that like paralyzing. Yeah, it, it's like, are you are you kidding? My my entire church is infiltrated by these evil evil people. That's it's, yeah. It, God kind of like gave us gave us all the grace of just sort of gradually finding out yeah. how deep the rot is. Yeah, we <laughs> would get one little uh, installation of the realization after another, and between the eighties and now. Now we've got a pretty good idea of what's going on. It's, I, I mean, for the people who are really able to just take a look at this and say, call it what it is and not, not really care if you're going to be accused of being a splitter. Um, this, there's, uh, there's Satanism going on in the Vatican. And that's, that's what's going on. We, we could call it idolatry. We could call it Amazon, uh, Idolaters coming up and doing their dances, but this is doing their worship dance. This is satanic. Yeah. That's and yeah. it's in the Vatican. Period. And it's right under the watchful eyes of the Pope. Whether he took part in it or not, I don't really care because there is an expected response from a Pope when he's around idolatry, and that's not the response we got. And over the past no. year, we've given you example after example of what saints do to idols 
Mm-hmm. They destroy them. How they, uh, they break them. They burn them. The yep. Yeah. The... Um. Anyway, but back then, that that first awakening. I mean, yeah. it, it was kind of a nice time. <laughs> you know, you know it, it, it reminds we me. We had of a that, lot of hope. That joke. What's that? Your that joke about the uh, um guy. Uh, his wife goes away on a trip, and he stays at home and she gets home you know the this joke would be told back in the days before you had cell phones and regular communications and everything she gets home and says oh hey you know you know the hug and everything and she says so what's going on what's new he said well your your cat's dead and she's like what you just blurted that out he said well yeah what should i do she said well you should have like led me to it brought me to it gently and made up a story or something like, hey, your cat was, uh, you know, got out and he was up on the roof yeah. and, and there was a patch of ice and he started to slip and, and you know, kind of tell it to me gently so that I, I have time to to get used to the, you know, what's coming, you know, yeah. a step at a time. He said, okay, I'm sorry. All right. So, by the way, your mother, your mother got out and she was up on the roof. <laughs> I didn't tell that very well, but anyway, that's the that's <laughs> that kind of reminded me. Like, if yeah. that's God help, like, I think like you giving, us, giving it to us gently. Not... <laughs> it's like how's my mom? Of... Well, she was up on the roof yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, back then, uh, if you were alive back then, you'd recognize some of the names, um, and some of those names are still around. Uh, like Mother Angelica, uh, Father Karapi. Mm-hmm. I I used to love to listen to him. Yeah, and um, yeah, he brought a certain perspective because he was like in the in the Marines or something, wasn't he? Yeah, he's kind of tough. And you know, he was he was well one of the characters in Bud McFarlane's book Pierced by a Sword was based on him. Oh, I didn't know that. The, I think. I didn't put it together. The, the, in Bud McFarlane's book, there was a black guy who had become kind of a prophet. Oh, yes. The one who was like kind of at his, at, at his end and, and, uh, he was at his, kind of like his last moment. He was actually about to inject himself with a lethal dose of something or other. Yeah. And at, at, at his last moment, he made an act of forgiving his mother who had been you know, a, a worthless crack addict, mother, mother kind of, you know, yeah, let him, you know, and, and then that, at that, that kind of changed everything. Then angels intervened and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So that, that character was based on father Karapi. Yeah. I not know that. And a little bit on his life and, um, mm-hmm. the rise and fall and such, or the rises and falls, because, um, here's the thing. I, I liked listening to him, and then after a while, I guess it, I, I guess you get to a point in your faith where it's like um, you listen to what's happening on you listen to Catholic radio and the talks, mm-hmm. and they all start to sound the same, and you just don't hear anything new because when I first started listening to him, I found him inspiring. I guess he he did teach you a little bit, but he wasn't a teaching talker. He, yeah, more he, of a he was inspirational pep pep talker. Yeah, 
And then that kind of wears off when you hear it. Or or maybe, I don't know what it is, but no, I think it stopped right. being interesting. Because there's a thing about, you know, the, the, the Catholic faith itself doesn't change at all. Um, the challenges to the faith, they don't really change either. They just be, keep getting launched by new people. Yeah. And I, I mean intellectual challenges, argumentative challenges, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so, you know, like for example, when I lived in Michigan, I found, hey, there was a really good, easy to find list and, and comes in real clear Catholic radio station up there, uh, Ave Maria Radio, um, had like Al Cresta. Oh yeah, guys. Al Cresta. Um, and, and this isn't back in that era that we're talking about, but it goes to your point. I realized that, you know, I'd listen to the afternoon shows after Al Cresta, which was always kind of current events and newsy. Yeah. And then they had the guys who did basically apologetics. They do call-in shows and that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, after a couple of months of it, it's, you kind of feel like you're just hearing the same thing over and over. Yeah. Which is, and, and it, that's fine because, uh, then we start getting podcasts and that's when, uh, we weren't bound to what was on the radio. If we wanted yeah, to hear Catholic true. media, um, but before that time, you know, I did stop listening to him for a while. And then, uh, I remember when I found out he had, he had gotten into some trouble. I guess he, he, he got back into cocaine maybe. Uh, he was found what looks like was with prostitutes, things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, he had well, some trouble. Life always keeps calling, I guess. Yeah. Know, for somebody who's been in it. And there were there were some other people that had the same little bit of ordeal. Um, mm -hmm. I there was an exorcist, I think, in Indiana. I think I, I don't remember where. There was an exorcist who had written several books, and I think he had some trouble. Um, oh. Something about being being caught in a compromising position with a I don't know patient slash woman who needed his services. But I don't know. It's just that another big thing back then, and it kind of drew all of us together, was this idea of the three days of darkness. Mm -hmm. That was Bud McFarland's big thing. And that was the pierced by a sword thing, you know? Right. And if you remember the, the sentiment back then, it was like we, we would talk about it as if it's this terrible time coming on us. But let's face it, all of us were like hoping and praying for it to happen, you know? Yeah, there was a a an air of, you know, you know, especially after, you know, gosh, Clinton got elected and um we we could think see things not getting better in the church. We we saw uh, abortions were only increasing. Our attempts to stop abortions were not supported by our bishops. They acted embarrassed by us. Yeah. Um and it's like, how could things get worse, you know, and, and then this sort of prophecy held out a, a hope. Well, they're, eventually they're not going to get any worse. God's going to step in and intervene. Right. Um, well, of course, now we see, well, you know, they, they can get worse. A lot worse. Um, <laughs> so little did we know. Yeah. Um, but the, um, but yeah, yeah there, there was a, a, an almost hopefulness. Uh, in the air uh, among certain groups of Catholics then. Yeah. And it was like, 
yeah, like you said, it was like it, this. We have no way to change this because you know we're lay people, and this awakening. It was some priests, maybe a couple bishops who were a part of it, but it was mostly the lay people. And, you know, it was, we just, we couldn't do anything to change what was, what was obviously going on, but we thought, you know, well, here's this miracle that everybody's talking about. And so it was like, oh, wow, this, this could change everything. This could turn the whole world Catholic. And this could, mm-hmm. uh, this could fix it, but you know, it, it didn't happen. And then we put our hopes in, uh, Pope Benedict. Yeah. Even though, you know, we knew he wasn't going to do everything at once, but it looked like he was starting to do things in the right direction. Yeah. Cause he, he changed the words of consecration for the English mass. That was a big thing to me. Yeah. Um, we still have to have that. Yeah, we got a, we, we have an argument over whether or not before Pope Benedict, uh, corrected the text of the Mass, before that, if all those consecrations were actually valid. Um, I don't think they were. Danny thinks they are. Uh, anyway, it's good that he changed it because it's a more yeah, exact translation of the Latin. And, and not just the consecration, but a lot of yeah, the rest a, of the lot mass of, too. a lot of little spots throughout the mass. And, you know, that's just in the, like, I, I don't know how often that kind of thing happened throughout the years in the, uh, in the readings and things like that. Like, I, I only know about the changes in the proper. Oh, right. I, I wonder if anything got changed in, in the rest of it. In the yeah, did they did he say? Wait a minute, we got to diff- get a different translation of the Bible, or are they still using the New American Bible? I don't know. Or is that something that really still needs to happen? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because some of the translations are idiotic. It's like that. That's not what. That's not what the original says. Why are they saying this? I'm sitting there in church thinking this is wrong. But um, I guess the thing is, at that time. The group of people that you would call traditional, the first ones who started to wake up and say, hey, um, especially the people who were, had started going to the traditional Latin mass. I don't know. Right. They weren't very friendly. No, a lot of them, a lot of them were, yeah, kind of standoffish. Um, and I, I don't even know if, if this is true of the, uh, you know, what you would call the leaders and the personalities of that movement. I just mean a lot of the people yeah, who were in it yeah. were that way. You would go, you know, to after coffee or after mass, there'd be coffee or you'd gather and you could kind of feel it in the air. And I, I noticed it mostly when for one reason or other, those same people would have to go to a Novus Ordo mass. Oh yeah. Like they'd hold their nose and stuff. Yeah. I, I, not literally, but Little you got things. that impression. Like they wouldn't go to communion at all, which I can right. co- kind right. of understand. Yeah, because I won't go to communion because I'm if if they won't put it on my tongue, I'm going to get mad and there's going to be a confrontation, and I just oh, don't want right. to do that. You don't want to invite man. that. But um, oh, hey, by the way, that I was down in uh, Tennessee a while ago, 
and I there were you know they had the guys outside standing welcoming people into the church and stuff. And it was a strange church, whatever. And I was kind of just chatting with the guy. I said, "Hey, by the way, uh, some people, you know, at some places they don't like to do this, and I don't like I don't want to put anyone on the spot. Uh, is it okay to receive communion on the tongue here?" He said, "Yeah, just stick your tongue out." <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, places surprise you. Um, did I did I talk to you about Saint Ignatius up the street? Did I? Did we talk up about that? Not up the street. Well, it's on North Bend. You know where Saint Ignatius is. Oh, Saint Eyes. Yeah. Did we discuss that on the show? You brought it up on one of the shows, and I forget what you said about it or what the context. Oh, was. okay. It's just I had walked in on a on on a period of uh, when they put the Eucharist out for people to I oh can't exposition think of the word. yeah and and, and, and it was maybe benediction because I thought of it as a liberal church mm-hmm. or a liberal crowd anyway but then when I go in there it's like well that's that's not what this is at all and right. the thing is a lot those places like that can fool you you know I yeah there was one uh there was one in Fairfield I think uh, Jason didn't want to go there because, um, they didn't have kneelers. He's like, I, I just, I don't, I might just go to St. Lawrence, but they had a, th- like a three o'clock, which was really convenient. I was like, well, okay, so we'll just kneel on the floor. So what? Or stand. Um, but he said, you know, I, I just, I get so angry when I'm around just the, the disrespect and the, the irreverence people have. And it makes it hard for me to pray. I said, well, Offer mm-hmm. it up. Let's just, let's just go. Do, I said, look, I'm going to go up there. Maybe I'll see you. So we went up there. He did end up going. The thing is, they didn't sit at the times you would normally kneel. They stood. Oh, they knelt? No, well, oh, they, they stood. stood. Than, okay. And some of them knelt. And mm-hmm. a lot of them knelt at the, uh, consecration. But the oh, thing right. is, well, I can't be in the mind of, of the bishops around here, but, or the priests who are in charge of these churches. Um, this is kind of a rich neighborhood. You can't tell me they couldn't afford kneelers. The point of not <laughs> yeah. having the kneelers is to show disrespect for the Eucharist so that people will sit when they're supposed to be kneeling. That's what this is about. And yeah. we all know that's what it's about. But it didn't take. Because at least yeah. at that Mass that I attended, that's not what I saw. I saw a great love and a great respect for the Eucharist. And yeah, that's it's that's kind of creeping up in, like you said, unexpected places. Um, there, you know, there's a parish here that's like real. Um, it's it's one of those larger parishes. Um, got a heavy Spanish population. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those church, those unfortunate churches that were architected uh, in the, the arena in, style. Inverse. Yeah, the. Well, not not just the idea of a, an arena, but uh, but yeah, I guess it is kind of like an arena, but but with the the altar down, oh, and, and all the pews like sloping down yeah. towards it, yeah. Um, I I you know that always reminds me of like some kind of weird occult devil worship kind of place that you know that that's how you would build it if you were going to do a a satanic um yeah worship arena, um, but anyway. They have, you know, like routine 
um, expositions and benedictions and all, even during the week and stuff. I think it's probably driven in, in large part by the Spanish uh, or the Mexican um, population there. Yeah. That, or the Hispanic population there. But other than that, I mean, if you went to the mass and kind of watched the way the mass goes and heard the priest talk, you wouldn't expect it to be that kind of parish. Right. Well, the thing is, I think that, and you're seeing this in a lot of uh, churches, not enough churches, and there's a whole lot of churches who, that are just bad. But you are seeing this more and more. It's a Novus Ordo parish, and but they seem to have more and more respect for both tradition and for the Eucharist. And I think I think there's a lot of people who are going there right now who are at the point that we were 20 years ago mm. in that first awakening that took place. Right, right. The question and, is, what what are as they awaken? And they see this, and then are they going to be tempted by some of the 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 kookiness that we were tempted by? I don't think you know, so. Look, looking yeah. for 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 some kind of coming interventions, and, apocalyptic and, uh, uh, end to all this. Almost yeah. like like Gnostic type offshoots, where yo, hey, wait a minute, you know, these people have the real secret, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I kind of don't think so. I think, I think we laid the groundwork for him. We, not me and you, but, um, yeah, that, probably, that. I guess a better, uh, description of it would be mom and dad's crowd, you know? Right. Cause we were just kind we of, we were coming kids. Of age during yeah. That time. But, but her, she and, and her friends and the people in Cincinnati, we went through what, we went through some of the names that had, that, were in Cincinnati at the time to bring the traditional Latin mass back to Cincinnati. And they had a hard, lot of work to do in order to get this done, but they did it. And they kind of laid a, a road down. They, they made a path. This is how you get closer to God. Cause you're going to go to the Nova Sordo and you're going to feel this thing in your heart. Like I want to be close to God, but you're not going to be able to fulfill it real well at a Novus Ordo. You just can't. You yeah. can only go so far with that. And when you want more, hey, I've got something for you. Come here. That's true. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it was. And it's, I know, without us having been there, I think a lot of people would, uh, a lot of people would go off in different directions. Uh, even if it's, you know, I, even now people are talking about, because they're so scared of Francis, um, People are talking about uh, joining the like the Orthodox churches or the SSPX. The SSPX, right? Um, By the way, we got to we got to do an in depth on that. So I, I, a researched in depth. We did SSPX, did we? Yeah, we did a or long did thing. Did we about... just do a surface level like we we went through the timeline and what happened? Now I I didn't yeah, know I'm the talking about like like establishing okay. You know, documenting canonical status and that kind of stuff. Uh, we you go back and listen to it. I mean, no, it wasn't depth. Did, did depth. we do more than I <laughs> that I'm remembering? We didn't not read about it like we normally do. We did. We did some homework before we talked about. Well, I know it. we. Did, yeah, yeah. So uh, 
go back and and see if you're satisfied with it. Um, but I guess you know it was a weird time for Catholics in America, and it was a fun time because we thought there was this ground swelling of Catholics, and we were gonna you know we thought in 20 years would well first of all we thought three days darkness coming. And we thought that was going to change the whole world. But even that but even not, not happening. Yeah. We thought within 20 years, uh, we thought most Catholics were going to end up like us, you know, because it, it was happening and it, and, and we, it, the, the feeling that the traditional movement was spreading, even if it wasn't traditional then, because this is before we even had a Latin mass to go to. It was just this traditional way of thinking about the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it seemed like it was spreading and it was spreading. It just, we didn't realize, first of all, how bad the corruption was. No one was prepared for that. If you had yeah, told me, I mean, it's like, if it was spreading, it's like, if you think of it as, as like taking root, but the roots are like sinking into just complete rot. Yeah. And so they're, you know, they got to spread go. To they got to go far, far, far before they can yeah. actually do anything. But I mean, if you had told one of us, you know, 30 years ago, if you had said, well, the Pope is going to take an idol and actually put it on a Vatican coin. I, no, come on. No, yeah. that, that wouldn't, God wouldn't let that happen. Uh, the Pope's going to change the, uh, catechism to something that's you know it, it's it's not defined doctrine i will say that right but still but his definition of it traditional his definition of it is definitely a break in uh catholic tradition. theology in, in tradition yeah. and maybe even doctrine i mean when he says that the way he worded it made it worse than just saying uh capital punishment's wrong when he says that it is against the dignity of the person, well, that's right. That's flat out wrong. We know that's wrong. Or when he let's see, how did he put it? He said that it's the the something like the gospel makes it inadmissible. Yeah, and then something he talked about the lines. dignity of the human person. Right. Which yeah, he. That's the thing. It's like he he says these things that just fail on Catholic understanding of the terms that and he it, uses. Uh, an attack on the inviolability and dignity of the person. Yeah. Well, even if it's wrong for some reason, or even if it's wrong in our modern world, in first world countries, it's not what he says it is. Right. So he took... Uh, Pope uh, John Paul II made one argument that I disagreed with, but I can look at it technically, word for word, and say, okay, you could fit this into Catholic tradition because there are certain aspects of capital punishment that he does not address. And since he doesn't address it, that is what makes capital punishment okay. But Pope yeah. Francis didn't leave room for that. Pope Francis is just wrong. He can't be right. So, I don't know. Uh, I guess 
the thing is, um, we wouldn't have believed it. We, right. we were too optimistic. And I think that optimism, along with, like I said, a lot of, a lot of us were kind of standoffish and it's like, ah, we're not going to gather with you Novus Ordo types. I, at mm-hmm. least after we started going to the Latin Mass, uh, it became a thing where it's like, you know, we're kind of elitists. Like, like we got the big secret and you guys don't know what the heck you're doing. Um, yeah. And, uh, between that and the, the optimism that was, I don't know, maybe borderline naivete, um, it got some people into trouble. I think people like Father Karapi. Oh. And sort of a, a pridefulness almost. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that happened to people, but I think, because we raised a generation, I mean, this is a generation or two later. So you've got a group of kids who know both the Novus Ordo, who were raised with both masses. Yeah. And some of them have never even seen a, uh, English mass, but mm-hmm. they've, it's normalized enough to where they don't think themselves all that special for going there. For going right to the TLM. And, They've seen enough bad stuff to know that, hey, this isn't going to end anytime soon, and this is something we're going to have to fight for a long time. And I think, although they might it not, might not be as exciting for them as it was for us, uh, I think they're safer than we are were back then. Oh, right, right. Against the the various temptations, you know, the they they at least understand maybe maybe. Um, I mean, we had our, our pieties and, and, and prayers and that kind of stuff, but I don't think we quite had the attitude of the, the necessity of the humble constancy in prayer. It's like, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like the pieties were like a badge, more like, right. Not, not something that, okay, you, you do this. Um, it was more like putting up the Christmas lights and less like, taking out the trash every day that you have to do <laughs> sure yeah because at christmas lights you know within a month you're going to get presents and all that stuff but um just doing what you need to do every day just so that eventually you and uh hopefully your family gets to heaven and that's really the only reason to do it um it's not really something we had i, I don't think we we didn't see it that way we thought right. We thought this giant thing was coming and, and they don't be part of it and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. They don't have to think of it that way. And even I myself would have been drawn into that attitude of, uh, uh, elitism if I hadn't been like, I was kicked out of the church. I, you know, I stopped going to the TLM because I was kicked out. Oh, were you? Were you for misbehaving? No, for crying kid. You didn't know this? Oh, you, for a crying kid and Mm -hmm. they told you to leave? Yeah. And when you're, when you're asked, when you're asked to leave a church, uh, it, it, it makes you kind of bitter. I'll admit it made me very bitter. Like, fine. You don't want me. I'll go, I'll go back to the English mass. I guess, I guess I can pray. Uh, I can. Thank God for the grace not to leave the church altogether. Uh, right. so I just went back to the English mass. Um, and 
that's when I started to notice, cause I still wanted to go to the TLM, but that's when I started to notice every now and then when a TLM or had to go to an English mass, I was like, what do you, what do you think you're better than everyone here? What's your problem? <laughs> um, now that, yeah, okay, here's the thing. Um, I had, I had five kids at the time. My oldest would have been maybe 10. Mm-hmm. I was by myself, like I am every oh, week. Yeah. Me and five kids, the oldest of which is 10. Uh, the two youngest, one of the two youngest is one of those kids who, it's like that wild Bronco that you just can't break, you know? Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. he's going to do what he wants to do and. Very willful. Mm-hmm. You just, it, it really steals all of your patience and that's what you spend a lifetime trying to, uh, I don't know, convert, change, break, whatever. Um, anyway, so those are my two youngest and I get to church and I've got the three older ones. I can leave them in the pew and go to the back and maybe even leave them inside and like stand outside the door. I can't just leave them and go to my car. Right. My youngest is, uh, or my, my, the, the wild one is crying or fussing or whatever it was. But the fact is I couldn't stay there in the pew. Couldn't so, just, right. So I took him to the back. They don't have a crying room. They've got this mm-hmm. giant door that kind of swings, but yeah. it's not, it doesn't help a whole lot with the noise. It doesn't seal off or anything. Yeah. Right. But that's the best I can do because that's what they have. So I go back there with my two little ones, one of which is throwing a tantrum. And I normally I would take them outside on the steps. But the youngest has asthma and it's about Mm -hmm. 10 degrees out. Oh, you don't want to do that. Yeah. And I mean, I'm parked two blocks away because the parking lot's full. Honestly, I mean... (laughs) What were you supposed What am to I do? supposed to do? <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. And, you know, the thing is, I wrote, cause he, so he, he gets up for his homily and starts talking about the fact that people bring their kids and it distracts people from prayer. People can't pray properly because there's too many kids screaming. And if your kids are screaming and making noise, you shouldn't bring them. Um, I, yeah, because uh, everybody gets in their car. Okay, come on, screaming kids, let's go to the church now. Yeah, that's what we do. So I I got up and I left, and I was pretty mad, pretty bitter. Yeah, and I think I think I may have skipped mass for one week, and then I mm-hmm. came to terms. I think you can't do this. You got to go to church. Um, but I wrote him a letter, and I didn't write him an anonymous letter. I never do that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had some strong words about what he said because mm-hmm. he, he, he brought up how people say, well, Jesus said, bring the kids to me. And then he said, but Jesus was in a great big wide open area. Well, I read the Bible passage. It doesn't say anything about that. It doesn't say whether he's in a building or not. Yeah. Doesn't mention that. It just says that Might people were mad because people were bringing their kids and the kids were kids. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I wrote him a letter saying this and saying, I guess I didn't cuss him out or anything. I was, I was respectful as I would ever be to a priest. 
And he wrote me back. Uh, oh, wow. Basically saying, uh, until your kids are ready to behave, uh, you don't have to come to Mass. Seriously? He's like giving you a pass on going to Mass? That's how I took you it. You could Kids too young? Just to... stay home until they're old enough to bring to church. That's absolutely wrong. So uh, I went to the English Mass for the next 10 years, but it was right yeah. around the time we started doing this podcast. Uh, I think after we started recording this, I started listening to uh, those... The two guys, uh, oh, TNT, the TNT, the yeah, TNT guys, and they kind of awoke in me that that old man. I really, I really loved the Latin Mass. <laughs> I hated to leave it, and at this point, I would say to anyone who has something like that happen to you, don't let some jackass priest kick you out of church. It's your right to be there. Yeah, Jesus died for you and your kids, not for that. Just for that priest. And you have and you know what? every right to demand it. Here's the beauty of the Catholic Mass. This this is lost in the Novus Ordo. Uh, and unfortunately, I think a lot of the people who are in the traditional movement, priests included, um, who, who were, you know, part of, like Novus Ordo turned traditional. Yeah. They, they've forgotten this and they bring the modern sensibility with them. But the beauty about the Catholic Mass is that it's efficacy because you're there to participate in the Mass. And right. the Mass is what you're doing. Your your prayers are good, and it's good to be able to unite them to the Mass. But the Mass is the thing, and its efficacy for the priest, for you, and for everybody else there depends on the priest doing his job. Yeah. That's all. It doesn't depend on you being able to focus on your prayers because it's perfectly quiet. It yeah. doesn't depend on you being able to hear anything the priest says. It doesn't depend on all of you together saying your responses together during the Mass. None of right. that matters. The efficacy of the Mass depends on the priest saying the words. Period. That's so you, all. You don't need to That's be wrapped set it up. in a cocoon of silent meditation. Yeah. You can have no. crying kids. It's okay. And I, I kick myself for allowing that priest to make me bitter for those 10 years and yeah. not go, not bring my kids. Cause now I've got a few older kids who, who, uh, I don't know. You know, it's not struggling. that they, yeah, they're struggling, but I, I don't think they'd be struggling if I had continued with the Latin mass mm -hmm. because I don't think they would have seen, you know, they look at the, the Novus Ordo priest around here. Who's it's like like a, stupid? I don't, I yeah, why would I do this? This is so unmasculine. Yeah. This is so. This is just gross. And I can see mm -hmm. how thinking any man sh would think that this is just gross. Uh, if you're not an old lady, you don't belong there. So yeah, um, I kick myself for allowing that to happen on my watch. But hopefully, if anything like that ever happens, whether it's the priest or the other parishioners. You know, wagging their tongues and shame shaming you for whatever it is. You didn't wear a hair, uh, a hat oh. that day or whatever. Uh, yeah. ignore it. You've got a right to be there. And unless you're like actually indecently dressed or something like that, you've got every right to be there. Um, how'd we get off on that tangent? 
Um, well, because you were talking about the the sort of elitism and, and yeah, yeah, what 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 you would you would have been tempted towards that yourself if you hadn't been sort of derailed by that experience. Yeah, but so. I don't think today's younger uh, trads have that they're happen that to way. them. Yeah, they're not. No. Matter of fact, most of them have a bunch of kids with them, which I I don't know why <laughs> That's I just. Awesome. I, I just sit there and I look at that and I'm so happy by it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm most happy when going to church. I hate to say this, but I'm more happy the fact that there are children there than I am that I'm at mass and, you know, attending. <laughs> I just, it just makes me really happy. Yeah. And I go to the early, early mass that, uh, uh, you know, people got to get up and they have to walk like, because old St. Mary's has a tiny parking lot. So, yeah, so you, got you have to park, park far away. Two and, and a half blocks away and stuff. It's not an easy thing to take a family to. But mm-hmm. I think I think one, one time I, I was counting and I counted 25 different uh, family entities that brought kids with them. Because my daughter was saying, I don't know, Mike, I don't know if she'll, my daughter will behave. And I said, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, everybody looks at me mean when I take her to Mass. I'm like, You're not here. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> That's because you go to Novus Ordo. Yeah. So, well, I guess, I guess that's about all I have to say about that. Just, I yeah. thought I mean, we should we discuss that. No, <laughs> a I, point? it's just, I wish I could of think a of a way. Almost a, a nostalgia. A, yeah. You know, and reflection more, more than nostalgia kind of reflection, historical reflection. And um, I guess, I mean, a lot of people probably don't, if you're as old as we are, you kind of remember what we're talking about. If you're not, you don't know the path that led us to the point where almost every city has a TLM and the cities that don't are currently fighting for them. Mm-hmm. Of course, Pope Francis threw a huge kink in the works, and we don't know what's we don't know how that's going to yeah, end where's up. Where's that going to go? But, but it uh, awoke a lot of people who said we need the TLM, and it's recognized now. It's not something yeah. that for some reason it's like in seventies. It's like everyone forgot like overnight. I don't know how that happened. I wasn't alive then. You I know, was alive, but I was a kid. Yeah. But, you know, I, we talked, every now and then we'll talk about things like, um, what if there was an apocalyptic event like nuclear war? Mm-hmm. And the sci-fi books all show us living in this world where we've lost technology. And I think we had a discussion once where we talked about the fact that that just wouldn't happen because... We would never go back to the way things are because we recognize and remember that the possibility to rebuild is there. Even if we lost yeah. all the technology, we would know that this stuff is possible and we would start working toward that end. So it's within like a few generations, you know. Right back through the Industrial Revolution and the Technology Revolution and right back to the Information Revolution, it, it would be in hyperdrive. Yeah, it would happen within maybe one generation because we know that it's possible. And I think now, even if Pope Francis comes out next week and says, no more Latin mass, period, you're not allowed to have it. And even if 
all the orders obeyed like they're bound to do. And mm-hmm. as, as far as I can tell, he has the uh, authority to do this. It still wouldn't end that way because he's not going to be the last pope. There's going to be other popes. Right. And all these young guys right now bringing their families, they're going to remember and they're they're going to fight for it. They're going to... Yeah, we would immediately be starting, you know, drives and, and appeals to bishops and, and hey, you know, can you take this to the next synod? Let's have a synod on the mass. And praying uh, about it. And praying about, yeah, the prayers would, would, you know, be enormous. I, I have to, I'm sure there are some people, but I have to wonder how many people, when they eliminated the Latin mass and brought us this English mass, everybody swallowed out without, without a whole lot of talk about it. I have to wonder how many people actually prayed and said, can I have my old mass back? I hate this. Yeah. I, I bet. I bet not, not many. anyone really from back then. Well, there there may have been a few people. You know, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien hated the new mass. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, yeah, there were some people. Uh, didn't didn't uh, Agatha Christie? Isn't she the one who got special permission that they called it the Agatha Christie mass or the Agatha Christie? Uh. Uh. It's the thing you add on to an end of a document. Um, you tack on the uh, end. Codicil? <laughs> it begins with um, a C. Like a codicil or something? Uh, when you go work for a company, you sign a no-compete something. Clause. Oh, clause. Okay. Okay, so I'm reading. It says that she did add her name to a protest letter to Pope Paul VI with over 50 other literary, musical, artistic, and political figures. Um, expressing alarm at the proposed replacement of the old mass. Hmm. So she apparently was Catholic and uh, did not like the new mass. And if I understand it right, there was... Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, hold on. Back up. Her husband, the archaeologist, Sir Max Mallowan, was Catholic. She herself wasn't. Okay. Ah. So she was married to a Catholic. And even she thought, well, this is just silly. But what, and, and her point was that, yeah, I mean, basically that it's more beautiful. She said the old rite had inspired countless artistic achievements, including poetry, philosophy, music, architecture, painting, and sculpture. Ah. Um, and didn't want to see it, uh, abolished. I tell you, what, what beauty has come out that has been inspired by the Novus Ordo? Uh, the Exorcist? Hardly any. I, yeah. Hardly any. I mean, it's like I, you know. Yeah. I hear these these musical settings that they've that people have written for it, and none of them are any good. Yeah, they suck. Yeah, I, it's and and the the artwork itself. I you don't really see a whole lot of good Catholic art. Oh uh, gosh, yeah. That uh, I don't. know, What do you call it? Seventies abstractionalism or whatever. That yeah, it's it, just awful. <laughs> I don't even know yeah, what like, the name for that Pope style Francis of art is. is. Is still stuck He's a in fan that. Of it. Yeah, he, he, yeah. He can't get out of the seventies. Anyway, I guess that's our point: is that it took us a while to get to where we're at, and the future for these people who are coming into it now is going to be a whole lot different, and it's be going to be an entirely different journey. And I guess our journey's not over. It's just that it feels like it was a journey. Mm-hmm. There was a beginning yeah. and an end to it, and this is a different era now. 
But, you know, it is important because I think a lot of the people who take for granted the availability of the TLM yeah. don't have a historical um, appreciation for what brought that yeah, and why that is today after the events of, uh, of you know, the, the uh, early 70s when the new mass was brought out. And I and it's they should. I tell you what, if not for that enthusiasm that started in the nineties, um, I don't know if the Catholic Church really would have survived these latest hits. You know, all these sex scandal reports and stuff like that. Mm, right, I don't think right. enough people would have really been embedded in a prayer life and in the faith and in the mass to. To justify remaining Catholic after all this. I mean, obviously the Catholic Church isn't going to die out entirely. We've got the guarantee of right. Christ and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you could easily see a world resulting where Catholic people and parishes are, you know, just a small scattering across, say, a country the size of the United States. Yeah. Well, you look at, I mean, and uh, we've brought it up before Great Britain when, when, uh, when the King of England decided we're no longer a Catholic nation, uh, most of the bishops went along with him. There were people yep. on the ground who kept their faith, but most of the bishops, and I would think a lot of the priests, went right along with him. Uh, something equally as bad could have happened in America, and it didn't. All right. Think of anything else to say there? Nope. Okay. Let me move this and... Alright, we're back at Russia again. Um, it, you know, there's so much happening, but it's really more of the same. But but it's a lot. And I, sh- I meant to put a word at the beginning of this podcast saying that we're going to talk about Russia. And if, if you've only heard one narrative, you should at least stay for that. Or listen to that, that section of the news. Because it's so... It's so laughable what they're trying to get us to swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, British Army officer, British Army confirms that a number of active duty soldiers have disobeyed orders and gone AWOL. Okay, now listen to the second sentence. Okay. And have likely gone to Ukraine to fight against Russian military. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Are they talking about Russian so. soldiers or American soldiers? I think they're talking about British soldiers. British soldiers. This is a British story. Okay, yeah. out of London. This is out of British, BBC. So British soldiers are going AWOL, and the news speculation is that they're probably going to Ukraine. To fight. <laughs> <laughs> Where did they come up with the stuff? <laughs> this guy's living in Never Never Land. Uh, defense minister says that these members are breaking the law and will be prosecuted when they return to the United Kingdom. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, then we got a couple, I don't, you know, these just, just kind of, they're reported and they're supposed to appall us. But it really tells you what's kind of really going on here. Um, Russian airstrike re- destroys a maternity award and a children's hospital in Ukraine. Um, you know, that just sounds terrible. Yeah, but then you this- get to this part. Killing three people and injuring at least 17. That's all? Yeah. 
And why so would they? What, did they like call ahead and warn to empty the hospital first or something? Yeah. How, how just... do you bomb a hospital and only kill three people? Generally, if you bomb a hospital, you kill, and even if it's Several three hundred. children, but yeah, but it's yeah, a lot. And I, I guess you know they mentioned that it's a children's hospital. They don't say three children. You know, I'm I'm reminded of that famous uh, uh, picture taken of a young Vietnamese girl on a. I guess this was on an airstrip, and she was hit with napalm, mm-hmm. and um, it it was a gruesome picture. It was heartbreaking picture, but. It was the kind of thing that just constantly happened by American forces against citizens, women, children, and it and it was in the thousands and hundreds of thousands, not just three, you know. Yeah. And it just the the weird sense of proportion that people seem to have is it's just weird. Um, <clears throat> United Nations is saying that. There are now two million Ukrainians having fled the country since the invasion began. So two million refugees. Okay, I know Ukraine is big compared to the other countries in Europe. Mm-hmm. But that's two million people who do not want to fight Russia. Yeah. I, whenever you have a whole bunch of refugees, you should stop and think. These people, they don't want to... How many refugees were there in the Civil War? I don't think there were that many. I never hear about refugee camps or in the Revolutionary War or in the War of 1812. Um, You know, we didn't fight a whole lot of battles on the ground. So, And I know that like during World War II, um, the British would send their children to another country. Um, So there were, they were refugees. And you could you could sign up to say um, house a child or a group of children and sponsor them, and that way the the children could leave the big cities. But mm-hmm. um, we're not just talking about children; we're talking about families and people who. Yeah. And even back then, during World War II, generally the the working class would stay and do their jobs. Even though their city's being bombed, mm-hmm. they would face it. Right. People weren't running from the evasion. They just wanted their kids to be saved. Safe. This is different. These are people who don't want to fight. That says something about the whole situation that not a lot of people are paying attention to. Uh, the Czech Republic is saying they're in a state of emergency as thousands of Ukrainian uh, refugees arrive at their country. Um, The International Organization for Migration says that refugee crisis has now become the largest and fastest exodus of people in Europe since World War II. I guess there were a lot of people leaving leaving during World War II, but that's all of Europe. This is one country that's being invaded by one other country. It's a lot different. Um, Russia has agreed to temporary ceasefires in humanitarian corridors allowing time for civilian evacuations uh this this has happened at least twice where putin or the whoever's making these decisions said okay we're gonna we're gonna stop shooting for a little bit 
get your people out of there, and then we're going to start shooting again. This just... It, it doesn't paint him as a monster the way they're trying. Yeah. Um, which is dangerous because it's like if people see through the news, which is always lying these days, mm-hmm. they're going to get the impression that Putin is not a bad guy. And he really is. He is a bad guy. Um, Ukrainian military begins a mass evacuation of civilians from Irpin after the city was bombarded by Russian jets and artillery. Much of the city has now been destroyed. If if the city's been destroyed, um, how are they evacuating? Usually when there's a destruction of a city, most of the people are dead. People are destroyed too. That's usually what happens in a war, in a battle, when the city's destroyed. The people who didn't run first are gone. So, now, Putin signs an amendment in Russia that criminalizes lying about Russian soldiers and the Russian armed forces. And, and any, I guess anything anti-Russian, you can go to jail for. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but... Here's the thing. Russian television network RT is taken off the air in the EU and in the United Kingdom due to its coverage of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So, I mean, they're vilifying Putin for putting down the propaganda and saying, hey, you can only see my propaganda. But they're doing the same thing in the Ukraine or in in the union, in Europe, and in uh, the UK, they're taking off the Russian television network. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. The okay, because they don't want people seeing the Russia's Russian reporting on the events. Right. Russia is also blocking access to Facebook and Twitter, Facebook and Instagram is now allowing users in certain countries to call for violence. You know how they did a big thing where no yeah. violence yeah. talk? Yeah, right. I mean, they didn't enforce it when it came to people like uh, BLM and and right. they were the other one. They could I guess do this isn't new because Facebook has allowed yeah. BLM to call for violence all along. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just more of the same, but it, it just... It gives you a peek at what's going on here, and it at least tells you, just don't believe what you're hearing. If nothing yeah. else, don't believe what you're hearing because it's a lie. Um, NATO announces that we, they will not declare a no-fly zone over Ukraine airspace. Um, uh, Zelensky is upset about this and throwing a big fit, and uh, Russia is saying... Uh, Putin is saying that if you uh, attempt to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine, that could lead to catastrophic consequences for the world. Uh, uh, White House is is affirming that we will not impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine. So I think, once again, I I think... How would you enforce that anyway? That's... Well, you'd have to be there, and you'd have to shoot down planes that are flying. I know. The, I, you know, I guess you, you, you'd have to do it from 
countries like Poland and Belarus and, and basically, if you have a no-fly zone, that means you have planes there, missiles around it. Yeah, and if you are shut, the only planes that are probably flying are in that area are warships or warplanes. Oh, yeah, patrols. So if you're shooting them down, I think that that means okay, I, I want to get in this war. Yeah. Sounds and like that's it. what we're not going to do. We'll give Ukraine weapons to make it look good, but I think we all know, I think America knows, uh, Russia is going to own this, and there's nothing we can do about it. I think that's probably that's, what's going on. Yeah, the likely end result. Well, the, you know, got to keep praying for Russia. Yeah, we do. Russia and the U.S. establish a hotline in an effort to prevent escalation between the two nuclear powers. I don't know why. I thought we they, already had one. I, I assumed they had one. I, I assumed that's, that was in place since the Reagan era. I think if Putin wants to get a hold of Biden, he can do it, and vice versa. Yeah. So, um, there's a whole lot of sanctions going back and forth. And, you know, it occurs to me that... This this might be to Russia's advantage. Uh, this is Russia's chance to get out of this global financial authority that has come into existence. You know? Oh, I mean, because they're threatening to kick him out. Yeah, they are kicking him out. That and that's true. The the fact is, I don't know. I've I've been listening. Uh, I've been going through some of uh, the Corbett report, some of the old, uh, some of the older podcasts, and I listened to the one on the conspiracies behind World War One. I, I don't know how much of what he says is true, but I do know that he has a tendency to document what he is claiming to be fact. Mm-hmm. I often don't agree with his uh, analysis of it, but when he says this happened. It's usually a pretty safe bet to to believe him. Okay. And he's talking about the conspiracies that went into starting World War One, which was mainly the the banks. Oh. And I just the millions of people who died in World War One and if he's if what he's saying is right, all created by a banking industry, um which I think is is the same kind of thing that happened in a lot of wars, uh, including Vietnam. I just start to think the way this is panning out, the way that we are getting drawn into this anti-Russia uh, fever, it, there's some kind of conspiracy behind this. I don't know if it's just one person or if it's more like the whole COVID thing where a whole bunch of people are taking little bites of it and benefiting off this but it's not true and I can't think of why they're doing this unless there's money behind it somewhere mm-hmm. and I I'm starting to uh, have a real distrust for I guess the 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 financial world as it stands yeah I think I think Putin's the lucky one here because his Could country be. is not going to be under their thumbs once they completely block him. But I don't think and, we're going to stop buying oil for him from him forever. No. Yeah, that'll 
you know, I mean, we could if we'd be willing to drill on our own land. Yeah. Well, as long as there's a Democrat in charge, we're not going to do that. We won't. Right. Uh, speaking of which, uh, let's see. Oh, where is it? So we're going to start buying oil from Venezuela. Oh, really? So we're yeah, going to start propping yeah. that uh, socialist crap hole up again. Uh, Chinese officials are indicating that they might be willing to buy shares in the Russian energy uh, companies of to try to help will. them. Yeah, so that's Ch- happening. China would love to prop up uh, Russia's aggression against the rest of the world at yeah. Russia's expense. Because now China would own those shares in those companies. Yeah. That that way China gets to continue to extend its imperialist, you know, imperialist um, designs without having to fight the battles. Yeah. Now, um, Vladimir Putin says that they will no longer attack nuclear power plants. Um And they are open to holding a trilateral meeting with Russia, Ukraine, and the International Atomic Energy Agency. Um, This is after, let's see, uh, Ukrainian state grid operator warns that Russian forces, which are in control of the Chernobyl power plant, which I guess I've been out of it. I thought Chernobyl was... No longer a functioning plant, but maybe they I rebuilt part of so it too. Did they? Yeah, that, I thought that was like one of those like designated no, you know, uh, yeah, off off limits areas. Like they have a they have you know documentaries where they show this giant deserted town, but maybe there's another part of it, or maybe they renamed another part of the city. I don't know. Or renamed another city Chernobyl. I don't get this. Oh, yeah. Um, but, so, Russia has that, and he's disconnected the plant from the grid. Oh, okay. Now, the operator says that this will impact nuclear fuel cooling, which they're saying that this could end up causing another meltdown. I don't... Disconnecting from the grid? I don't know if there's another... Uh, another plant that relies on Chernobyl to cool their their uh, their fuel. I don't know it. The way they're saying it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It could be that the various newspapers are just trying to raise hype, and that it, it actually be. doesn't mean yeah. anything. But they're acting like Russia saying we're going to cut this power plant off from the grid will cause will eventually cause a nuclear meltdown. I don't I don't believe this, but yeah, this I'm is what not they're saying. Sure why that would be. Um okay, I guess that's all I'm going to say about Russia and Ukraine. Uh in the other news, uh US Department uh deputy spokesperson says that efforts to revive the 2015 Iran nuclear deal have made significant progress. Um, I don't... I mean, nobody trusted that deal back when... What's-his-name made it? Why are we... Yeah, 
Why, why are we to... acting like it's actually going to keep Iran from getting nukes? That... <laughs> we practically gave him nukes under that plan. I don't... Uh, we got... Let's see. Prime Minister of Georgia. Mal, uh, Moldovan. Moldova. Is this Moldova or Moldova? I think it's Moldova, Georgia, and... Kosovo, all mm -hmm. trying to get into the EU. Oh, okay. No, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Moldova and Georgia trying to get into the EU. Kosovo is trying to get into NATO. Oh, okay, okay. So, I, I, these tinier countries that aren't real important are trying to make themselves more important, I think. As, as we're witnessing... The ineffectiveness of NATO and really the the failure of EU, you know, as more and more of these countries say, you know what, we don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. Starting with England, but I, I think it's I think it's rolling downhill. I think more and more people are going to do it. More and more nations are going to get out of the EU, depending on how corrupt their uh, politicians are. There's torna another tornado outbreak across the Midwest. Oh, really? Killed six people. I didn't even know about I this. I wasn't aware I, of that one. We did have some pretty powerful storms. I mean, usually if there's a tornado outbreak, Ohio feels at least part of it. Mm -hmm. Not always the actual tornado, but some of the violent weather. And we did have some pretty violent weather uh, a couple nights ago, but no tornadoes in Ohio. But there were some in the U.S. Uh, North Korea tests a ballistic missile in the Sea of Japan. Um, this is the ninth test conducted by them this year. Remember back when Trump was president, they didn't do any more tests? Yeah. Now they're they back also, again. Yeah. They also say that they've performed data transmission and other key tests to make a reconnaissance spy satellite. Does that, like, is that kind of laughable to you? I mean, it's like, so what? So you got a, a spy satellite? That's what you have? Yeah. I mean, we've... How many do we have? We've got, like, have? thousands at least. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> we can basically look at... We can look at every square mile of North Korea right now, and that's not even a spy satellite, you know? Mm-hmm. We've already mapped out your entire country, and we're not even spying on you. We're just looking. Um, uh, different countries throughout Europe are confiscating different properties owned by Russian oligarchs. I, I have to wonder if this is some kind of payoff to... I don't know. I guess, I guess not. But, you know, you've got, like... Okay, so... The, a Russian oligarch in Shiviet, say, owns a building, and um, the by federal law, we've got sanctions on them, and it maybe gives permission either to the town of Shiviet or to the federal government to go seize that land and then do what with it? Auction it off or keep it or... Like if if a if if the governor of Ohio took it, is it his now personally? 
You know what I mean? They're seizing yeah. all this property owned by Russian oligarchs. What's happening to the but, property? But then what? Yeah, seizing it for and throwing it away, odd. burning it. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying, now you the, can't be here anymore. <laughs> now the thing is, a lot of companies. I think like three hundred com- uh, companies have said we're not going to do any more business in Russia. So Russia, uh, Putin has gone ahead and seized all of the property owned by those companies and is going to auction it off. Okay. He announced what he's going to do. You'd expect he'd him file to file and say it. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, this will be auctioned off to but all uh, these other people businesses are, who do do business in Russia. All these other people are getting uh, stuff seized, but we don't know what's happening what, to it. What's going on with the land? Right. Uh, convoy of truckers, uh, inspired by the Canadian convoy, uh, go to Washington D.C. and circle the the Beltway. Um, there's a lot of people. I I've heard a couple things about it. I just here's the thing. What I what saddens me is that it doesn't really accomplish anything. I know. Like in in Canada, it it was like okay, they said look. You're telling us to do something we don't think we should have to, and we're going to uh, basically go on a trucker strike, and we're going to block up traffic. Um, you know, they said we're we're going to yeah. actually affect you until you come to your senses. Yeah. Now, I mean, I appreciate the, uh, I guess the 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 desires behind the truckers in America, but it's just a show. Yeah, I mean, if if they if if they make it so that they can be ignored, then why bother, really? Yeah, it's kind of like those uh, the rallies that Trump had, you know, which were great. And a lot of people get together, and you could see the uh, enthusiasm on our side, the the excitement yeah. and the patriotism. But see, the thing is, years later when they had a mask mandate and told every person, despite the fact that it made no logical sense whatsoever, that they had to wear a mask. Everybody wore them. Yeah, it would have been. What happened if to the? Said, no, this is a Trump rally. We're not wearing masks. Yeah, why did why did we wear them? Why didn't we? So in Canada, they did make things difficult for the politicians, but in the end, what did it accomplish? Because I'll well, bet. The Canadians. Have, no, I because know. I was I was listening to an interview with with uh, a trucker I think in Canada the other day, and it's like um, so many of the provinces have actually backed off on their yeah, mandates they, for the truckers. Okay, I think but they're just having for an the effect up truckers? there. Hmm? Just for the truckers? Well, I the backed out on their mandates but part of the part of the issue was that the truckers are being required to do stupid stuff that yeah that when they're okay, by themselves if, all if you're day. working in a factory you're next to a bunch of other people let's pretend that you know the masks and the vaccines and stuff make sense to begin with let's assume you know yeah avoid that argument you're a trucker you drive alone all day what you know what business is it of the government whether you're wearing a mask whether you're vaccinated and so on and so forth the thing is, that alone should show you that it isn't based on health motivation. Right. Exactly. And so, instead of just the truckers blocking the freeways, 
and other Canadians coming to the roads and saying, rah, rah, rah. Every Canadian should have said, I'm with them. I'm taking yeah. off the mask. You're going to have to arrest me. Just do me. it. Right. Just do it. it. It's that easy. They can't arrest everyone. But and, and the mask, I keep coming back to the mask because it's the simplest thing that we could all do together. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, don't. Yeah. And it... And, and these big shows of, of solidarity, whatever, I just feel like this is, it really is just a show. And when push comes to shove, you're still going to put your mask on. And I, I don't, I try not to feel that way, but I'm so pessimistic over the whole mask thing. Um, yeah. Which is what, like, over the past several weeks when we're trying to figure out what to do a show on, uh, that was one that keeps coming up because I do want to do a show about how it seems like all of America has just turned wimpy. Yeah. Why Why is and, our generation so wimpy and effeminate now? Yeah. Uh, U.S. Senate uh, has voted unanimously to make lynching a crime, a federal crime. I don't think they have... In the U.S. I don't think they can do that. But they did. No, I mean, I they did, but it, it's kind of awkward because here's the thing: constitutionally, they can't. They they don't have the constitutional power to do that. I know. But how would you ever challenge that? You're gonna go lynch someone and then say, "Hey, you can't make it a federal crime." Yeah, it's stupid. Stupid. <laughs> When's the last time someone is, was lynched? Okay, well, on on principle, I have to say they can't. They don't have the power, or the authority to do that. But yeah. I don't have any real right. way to challenge it. <laughs> Here's the thing. I maybe this is all for show, but I feel like this is I feel like this bill is going somewhere. I think this bill is going to do something that we have no idea yet what that is. Right, like something it's got a purpose really bad. That we don't understand. Yeah, why would they even even if you're doing it for show, it's such a stupid show. Yeah. There's got to be something else here. And they're gonna the redefine, fact that... They're going to redefine lynching and then say, oh, you ran afoul of this law or something like that, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. The fact that every single senator voted for it... Yeah, that's weird. It's like they're even all Even though uh, it is not constitutional, then there's something wrong here. There's something wrong. That's true. Um... Did you know that the age of consent in the Philippines was 12 years old? I did not know that. So a 12-year-old and, what, a 20-year-old is okay. Was okay. Oh, wow. Uh, They have just raised the age of consent to 16 now. Oh, okay. Well. I think think a lot of that is... Has to do with prostitution. That's what I was thinking. It's probably because you know I I don't know the nature of the Philippines. Yeah. Uh, but you know it could be one of those countries where guys used to go and be able to go into one of their whorehouses and you know find yeah. a, a young 13, 14 year old teenage girl or something like that. And, and yeah. uh, as long as the age of consent was twelve, it's legal. Yeah, it's terrible. I, I guess that's what it was. But they have raised it to 16 now. So now you can only, uh, you can only hire a 16 year old, uh, 
prostitute. I wonder if there's a grandfather for that. Like next year, you the youngest can be 13. And oh, is it gonna be? Yeah, because they yeah. did that in one country. What country was that? It, it wasn't the age of consent. It was the age that you could marry off oh, okay. someone. It was like right. 10 years old, I think. It was something outrageous. And they said yeah. child marriage has to stop. But they grandfathered in. So it's like, we will uh, enforce this over the next 10 years until oh. we've eliminated no, no, child no, marriage. You, we brought that up on we our talked uh, about, podcast. Yeah. yeah, we talked about it. I can't remember what it was, though. That's insane. It was a more Western country. I don't like... Yeah. I don't know, Poland or something like that. No. It wasn't Poland, Poland, I know, but it was like, a you know, one of the more Western countries like that. I thought it was an African country. You think? Hold on. Let me see. I would have had it in my notes. Child, uh, Philippine child president signs into law outlying, outlawing child marriage with oh, violators... Facing up to 12 months in prison. Some portions... Yeah. Some portions of the law will not go into effect for one year in order to allow Muslim and indigenous communities to prepare. I wonder if this is part of this. I don't think this is part of the same law. I think this is something different. Something new. I'll bet uh, they had this. They did this. And then maybe some people were getting around it. By saying, well, we're not married. We're just oh, living together. Cohabitating they said, or whatever. Okay, so no, you can't the... do that. This child cannot consent to sex. Uh, and maybe that's... That could maybe be. Maybe that's how he's dealing with it. That could be. Can you imagine having to deal with that in your country? Yeah. That... It's terrible. All right. Um, I'm going to read you this headline. Okay. You just... Just give me your response, no matter what it is. Belarus launched a widespread phishing attack against Polish and Ukrainian government and military officials. The attack has since been contained. Belarus launched a widespread, say that again, phishing attack? Phishing, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. Oh, phishing, okay, okay, cyber phishing. Okay, I I was thinking Belarus phishing. What is a phishing attack (laughs) and Belarus is landlocked? (laughs) <laughs> okay, phishing attack against Poland and who else? Ukrainian government and military officials. Poland and Ukraine. The attack has since been contained. Contained? I wonder what that means. Because that sounds... So Belarus sounds like they're trying to help Russia out. Yeah, Belarus is, is kind of on Russia's side. But I don't... I don't... A phishing attack. The that's words like don't make to sense get to people me. To, that's where you try to get people to enter their information. Yeah, like a false, fake Under site. false pretense. That, how, here, click here, and then contained. they go to PayPal, and then they enter their email address for PayPal because they think they're on PayPal's website. Would they send out a bunch of emails to, to people in Poland and Ukraine? I don't know, that, but how I do you know, contain how, how that? that? work? Yeah, exactly. That I don't know what that... Unless they, like, like you know, people in the, the cyber warfare departments of the governments of those countries, like, managed to shut down the servers that were receiving the phishing or something like that. I, I don't know. Here's the thing. If you fall for a phishing attack, you ought not to have any kind of 
uh, official position in the government where you make uh, decisions on anything at all. That's true. I it it was like the first form of attack. You know, it was yeah. the first thing that happened, and anyone who's anyone got used to it right away. Oh, you don't click on stuff that. Yeah, that's an email. Don't click on that. But it has been contained, whatever that means. Yep. The Proud Boys leader is indicted on conspiracy charges of obstructing the U.S. Congress during the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. I thought we were done with this. Was I he can't there? believe this is still happening. I guess so. Or maybe he talked to some people and said, Hey, hey guys, go, go to D.C. and rally Trump. And those people happened to walk onto the Capitol, and now that's a conspiracy to obstruct yeah. U.S. Congress. Oh, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. That's the whole... It's like, used to be, you know, if, if you got in trouble, you know, by the FBI, arrested by the FBI or whatever, oh, you must have done something really bad. Anymore, yeah. it's like, oh, what are, you, what are you being persecuted for now? Yeah. I, I mean, it's like the FBI has it, lost it, all legitimacy as a uh, a just uh, law enforcement agency. Yeah, it's, it's because just of a joke stuff. now. It's, yeah. It's 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 just the the it's the KGB now. Right. Uh here's something. 25-year-old woman in North Texas files a lawsuit against one of the Dallas Cowboy owners accusing him of being her biological father and paying her mother to keep the information secret. So, and I know this happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a rich guy fathers a child, doesn't want to deal with it, pays off the pays mom. Pays off the mother. That does happen. But he forgot 25 years later. The child now has rights. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, dude. Now I'm going to sue you. I want my piece of the action. I guess that's the thing because now you don't necessarily need your mom to tell you who your father is. You can find yeah. out. You can find out. So, I don't know. All those guys paying off women, uh, it, it, it might come back on you. Don't think just because she signed some kind of contract saying she won't tell anyone. Don't think it won't come back on you. That's right. The mom's contract does not bind the child. Right. And even 25 years later. All right, that's all the news. <laughs> all right. And I, I well, did not do a saint this week either. I didn't have time. Oh, okay. Yeah. that's. It's been crazy, uh, crazy days for me too. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we got some we got some weird nonsense. At first, I thought it was going to be a slow nonsense week, but there's a couple weird yeah. ones going on. Um, okay, and I think you got the email. I sent it to you. So, uh, border authorities. I, I guess in some places they still do, you know, pay attention at the border here. Mm-hmm. Um, a man tried to get past U.S. border agents in California. He had. 52 reptiles hidden in his clothes. He was driving a truck huh. when he arrived at the uh, San Isidro boarding, border crossing with Mexico on this back in February uh, 25th. Pulled out for an additional inspection. Um, they found 52 live reptiles tied up in small bags, which were concealed in his jacket, pants, pockets, and groin area. 
Nine snakes and 43 horned lizards were seized. Some of the species are considered uh, endangered. Wow. I wonder, I guess, I guess there's money in like exotic animals. Yes, I apparently, yeah, especially illegal ones, I guess. Um, but, which um, some are illegal because they're endangered, I guess. Which, mm-hmm. you know, I, you shouldn't yeah, be so plucking what? them out of the wild. I suppose that's the theory. Some might be illegal because, you know, non-indigenous and introducing non-indigenous species anywhere that can causes cause problems. Problem. Yeah. And, and we've covered that before. Yeah. Um, huh. So I guess I don't know. I just hiding that many reptiles. reptiles. I, that, I, I don't. I do not just think I would be able to do that. No, I couldn't. I mean, and you even, even like one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fine with snakes. I even one in your pants. <laughs> no, not in my pants. There's another <laughs> joke in there somewhere, but not for this crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the picture of the bags. They're like these little. Um, I don't know. They're they like, look like they could come open, like, like these little netting bags tied with with pink ribbons. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if these snakes are poisonous. Like, if they decided to bite him, could they... Yeah, could they bite through the bag? Maybe they're all, like, mostly the same species. Because, like, the the reptiles are... Or the... He's got a bunch of those same horny toads. Mm Mm-hmm. Why would... Why would... Horned lizards? Horned lizards? Are they saying... Okay, wait a minute. Look. If they're endangered... Oh, okay. No, no, no. They're not endangered. I think there's a... The horned toads are not... Okay. The horned lizards are not endangered. It's Maybe saying some, of the, some of the species are considered species are endangered, right. but not necessarily the 43 horned lizards. I was going to say, if he's got 43 of them, they must not be they very endangered. Be, that's right. How it's easy enough to catch many? them, apparently. Hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. So, anyway... Uh, moving on. Uh, so, it turns out fishing can be a dangerous sport uh, in the wrong weather. A um, Up in Michigan, which ice fishing is, is big out there. Um, I mean, I lived up there for a few years. Um, and, you know, you'd go some of the smaller lakes. Which, a smaller lake, I mean, you, you might barely be able to see the other side. Um, but you, yeah. you'd see people not only, like fishing out there but they would drive out onto the lake to carry their stuff and set up their shanty and everything um and then drive back and uh so i guess uh there was a shanty on the lake that they got caught in a windstorm like 55 mile an hour winds or 50 mile an hour winds and kind of blew the shanty across the lake all the way across the lake the three anglers uh are safe after a, it's a homemade fishing shanty, it was blown about a mile across a bay in Michigan. Wow! Pers- oh, you know what? But that—that's a scary thing because it was blown but across the bay. But what if the wind? Could... What if the wind had been blowing out? Yeah, into the lake, towards, and and then you got to an area that was the ice wasn't as thick. Exactly. So that that, that could have be been scary. a real. Um, Why would okay? It couldn't have been blowing it that hard. I mean, like, I can see it moving it, but not... It, there's no way it was moving, like, 30 miles an hour. I know? don't think so. 
Uh, no, I don't think so. But but why didn't they just step out? You know, like the Pink let, Panther when it thing's it falling. Yeah, it's falling, and right before the build, whatever he's standing in hits the ground, he just steps out. <laughs> why didn't they do that? <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe they felt like they had a lot invested in the shanty and they had to stay with it and try to rescue it or something like Save that. The Save, Save the, the shanty. Save the shanty. That's a, that'll be a, <laughs> a battle cry. Save the shanty. <laughs> anyway, of course, if it bumped into another shanty, they may have gotten sued or something. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, when they when they were finally. Uh, I guess uh, rescued. It was about a mile and a half offshore. Wow. <laughs> so wait a minute. <laughs> okay, a mile and a half inland. Off offshore. So it's it's Saginaw Bay. Okay. So it okay. It it did blow them out. Must have blown. Must have been blowing them out towards the towards yeah. the lake. Then. I guess so. they they did get lucky that it didn't yeah. sink. I would be scared. I would have jumped out. I would have jumped out immediately. Be like, okay, if you guys want to stay in there, uh, did they not have anything in the shant? Well, maybe they weren't in they it. They might have had their. They might have had their fish. Well, it says it, the shanty which had been occupied by three men was about a mile and a half offshore when deputies mm. arrived. Oh, maybe they weren't in it. The the three men they were must eventually not able to make it across the ice to shore on their own. Oh no, they did leave it eventually. Made it across the ice to shore on their own. Okay, so they were in it while it was moving, and then okay, they got out. Think if you're in there, it's gliding across the ice. It can't be gliding that quickly. Yeah. How long does it take to? You got to have some kind of metal spike-like thing somewhere in there. Run ahead of it and pound it into the ice and say, and then when it hits that, boom, they it won't stops. Go anymore. Yeah, I don't know why it's they didn't easy. have spikes. Like they've got a metal holding it down structure. You can see why didn't they? Why didn't they plan on spiking it down anyway? Yeah, maybe I, they yeah, didn't I guess know they about don't wind. count on fifty mile an hour winds or something. Still, that would have been a problem easily overcome. Yeah, uh, I would think, but they didn't. They waited and then they walked back a mile and a half later. Okay, um, this one's kind of close to home for me. Um, a Indiana boy had to be rescued when he got in a tree trying to rescue a cat. I guess he climbed, he was a 17-year-old boy, climbed up the tree to try to get to the cat, and then once he was up in the tree, he realized that he didn't have a way to climb back down. 17. I know. Come on. Exactly. If you can get up there... You can find a way down. I'm looking at a picture of him. I I don't know. I'm, I'm this is with make... fireworkers and everything. Is, is that him, like, up on the... Uh, out on the branch, yeah. or is that the cat? Yeah. That's him out on the branch. Um, how, I wonder how he got there. But, yeah, you... you, you I could have I done I, that. I would swing up... I would swing up on that branch that he's hanging on to, the, the big one angling up. Yeah. I would get up on there and then just like shimmy backwards down along to the I would I would shimmy down that I could shimmy down that yeah I've just right down the trunk I have quite good climbing skills um well you know we all climbed trees when we were kids yeah like all over the place 
I couldn't imagine calling the cops and asking them to rescue me. Uh, I would that fall out of the tree first. That would yeah, be so I would go ahead and break my own neck. <laughs> but, I don't know, he's 17, maybe he's afraid of heights. But if he's afraid of heights, how do he get up there? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I have a well, different you way of what? looking at these things. The thing scenes. is, why are you going up after a cat? Yeah, it's cat, a dumb cat. Cat will Cats get can get down. If they he wants down, down, he'll get down. Cats, if he's think, up there, it's because to get away from you. I think cats have, like, all gotten together and developed this sport of, hey, let's see <laughs> where we can go and pretend we're stuck and see what idiots we can get to come up after us. Yeah. Yeah, it's dumb. Just, it's a cat. Let, just leave let, it up there. Let him up. <laughs> He'll come down. Unless it's like, I brought my cat to a park... And then he ran up in a tree, and now I want to go home, but my cat's up in a tree. But you don't bring a cat to a park, do you? I've never had a cat. Do you bring a cat places? I... Or is it just at home at your neighbor's yard or something like that? No, you don't bring a cat places. I don't think you take cats places. I mean, you might take a cat to the vet or something. I don't think I would do Maybe that. Maybe if you're on vacation or something. Yeah. So this is, like, close to home, probably. And, uh, yeah, leave the cat there. It'll come down. But I can see five different ways to get down from there. <laughs> of course, you know, it's easy to talk when you're not uh, 30 feet in the air. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. It's easy, that's true. It's easy to say, but I still would have gotten down. Yep, I gotta think I would have, too. At least when I was 17. Yeah. Definitely when I was 17. <laughs> Nowadays, I wouldn't have gone up there. That's right. Um, okay. Uh, all right. Uh, next one. This is this is just freaky. This teacher uh, is being investigated. Um, I, I, I guess he, he went to his school at the, the Broxburn Academy in West Lothian, Scotland, um, wearing a uh, like a bodysuit. In the news article, they call it a, a tight red morph suit. I don't know what a morph suit is. I don't know what a morph suit is either. He was I'm wearing this for it, World Book Day, and I guess he thinks that it was supposed to be Spider-Man, but it doesn't look at all like Spider-Man. No. If you painted uh, some stuff on it, you could make it a Spider-Man, but... Really, really bizarre. Um, he's but an what's English there teacher. to investigate? I know, that's what I was saying. It says being investigated. What is that, you know, being investigated for mental stability? What, what What's the investigation? I will admit it's kind of gross. It, it's totally gross. It accentuates his junk, and it's just really mm -hmm. gross to look at. But, I'm trying to... I don't know what there is to investigate. Yeah, he did something kind of weird. It'd be more of a meeting, you know? Yeah. Hey, should we get rid of this guy? He's kind of weird. Alright, we'll let it go, because the kids like him. I don't know. Not something I would ever wear, but I uh, have a confession. I have always dreamed of getting up enough courage to streak at a ball game. <laughs> I think to be naked. Huh? You I know I do. Naked. I hate it. <laughs> but if I didn't... I would never streak, like, down the street. I would do it at a oh, giant. Yeah, where, like, I mean, mm -hmm. it would have to be a really big one, and that's where I would do it. And I would 
make my mark、uh, by putting a a print of my buttocks on the pitcher's mound. That's what I dream <laughs> run of out, doing. Run out onto the field and sit on the, the pitcher's, pitcher's mound, mound and then go back and then try to get away. <laughs> I would I would pay money to see someone else do it. So if anyone's out there is listening. Uh-huh. You want to make if you want to make an extra ten bucks, go to a Reds ball game and streak out onto the pitcher's mound and leave your mark. You know, this is、uh, just by chance. If you scroll down from that same story,、um, I I don't know if it pulls pulls them up in the same order or not for you, but we've got、uh, a place called the London the London Dungeon. Uh, yeah, and I suppose for International Women's Day they wanted to do a thing, so they changed Jack the Ripper in their what is it like an exhibit or something like that to a woman for March eighth.、Well, that's kind of dumb. <laughs> that is kind of dumb. That doesn't、But、really、uh, got a bunch of women upset. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> You know, it's not like I would be upset about it, but I would also know、it's、that women、dumb. are easily upset, and、mm-hmm. something like that would you would know is going to set them off. Just yeah, don't do something that stupid. <laughs> I wonder if it was a man's idea to do this or a woman's idea.、Uh, that's a good question.、Uh, let's see if I can、uh, find. This wasn't my one of my originals. This is just something I happened on while I kind of fidgeting、yeah. around with the mouse. Uh, Kim Manning Cooper, head of the Commissions for Refuge, told My London that she had to read the statement more than once to check out if it was real. Okay, well, let me see if I can. It is based on a real life suspect in the Jack the Ripper investigation. Oh, okay. Well, that's This,、uh, Mary Piercy. So it's not totally,、no. you know, off the wall、uh, dumb. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll link to both of these.、Uh, that story will be under. The, I can't find. I can't click on that headline though. Weird looking red light suit. Yeah, I know. It's all one. You can't click on any、thing. of the headlines. So, okay. Yeah, they lose some different. All right. What's all right.、Next? So you'll click the. Okay. You might cut this next one out,、um, but the story is, I think, like so, like out there, bizarre. But the pictures are a little bit. You, you might want to. I don't know if you、Crazy. want to include it or not. Yeah, yeah. but this、uh, Playboy model apparently back some time ago married herself,、uh, if you can believe that, and now、yeah. she's decided to divorce herself so that she can party as a single woman. Which country is it possible to marry yourself? Brazil. Wait, no. Now lives in London,、huh. Britain. I guess in in Great Britain you can、uh, marry yourself. So I guess Britain is a little bit ahead of the curve as far as the the、uh, marriage weirdness.、Um, I mean, yeah, you know, that gives kind of a whole new、uh, aspect to Rosie Palmer. I guess <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> we're a few years after Obergefell.、Uh, And in Britain, though, they're like, I don't know where else. They, where else do you go after that? Yeah, that's just that's weird. All right, super weird, and that is so weird that、uh, that's 
that's my last. That's what I'll wrap up on. Okay. Well, I again, I do not have a saint because um, we did it kind of early. Hey, we I'm actually going to sleep tonight. I got a huge day tomorrow too, so that's oh good. good. Then it worked out. Yeah. Uh, well, folks, think about what we said, and as always, circle the beads. We will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Baby, I got this for you.